Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Chamber Pod with Shamanda. We are very excited for our second episode ever tonight. Amanda, what are we talking about tonight? Smackdown! Yes, that's right. We are going to do a review of the 12-18-20 episode of WWE's Friday Night Smackdown. We did Raw just a little while ago, and so it's only right we have to round out the week with Smackdown. Makes complete sense to me. Uh, Make sure that you are listening to us on rss.com backslash podcast backslash Shamanda. That's S-H-A-M-A-N-D-A. You can also find us on Spotify if you simply search The Chamber Pod with Shamanda. So... Without further ado, let's get started. All righty. All right, so, Amanda, what did we have to open the show? To open the show, we had a wonderfully constructed promo from Kevin Owens to the undisputed Universal Tribal Chief, head of the table. There's a whole long list. Exactly. But it's it's Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. And this was obviously to set up their TLC match uh, going into On Sunday. Sunday yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Kevin Owens uh, starts out the promo, and they did actually a really good job um, building towards TLC for their match. It's going to be for the Universal Championship. Yes. And so we have this new character... In Roman Reigns, he's gone dark, he's gone heel, it's a little bit uh, different from the Superman-type character we had before. Yes. Um, But the entire point of this new character for Roman is that family lineage. It is all about the Samoan blood, it's all about the uh, tribal order of things, the way that a family... A legacy is established. So Kevin Owens continues that story. And in his promo, he comes out and he says, Roman, I am going to beat you for the championship. But that's not enough. Of course not. It's not enough. He gets it. He comes out. He says, I understand why you care so much about family legacy. Because... I care how will my kids see me after I do what I do to you Sunday? How will your kids see you? How will our families be forever changed by Sunday? Absolutely. And he Kevin Owens is the is the perfect character mm-hmm. to go against Roman in this way. He's he's kind of like a modern day Stone Cold. Yeah. So when Stone Cold Steve Austin was going against Vince McMahon, you know, infamously hit him in the head with a bedpan, like, it it was what all of the fans were thinking and feeling. He was a personification of them going against the angry boss. Mm-hmm. And now Kevin Owens, you know, speaks a lot of what the fans might be thinking or feeling against Roman Reigns or other authority figures in their life. The mm. people who are saying, essentially... It's my way or the highway, and if you choose the highway, it's going to be the bumpiest road you've ever been on in your life. Right. So Kevin is is, is a great everyday guy, family guy, in order to go against the top dog, the man, mm-hmm. that, that Roman Reigns is. And in true Roman Reigns fashion, with this new character that he has developed, instead of, Kev- instead of Roman responding to Kevin immediately... We get, not an interruption, but a, a somewhat of a response from Paul Heyman on behalf of Roman. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because they've kind of shown this new Roman character to be really about control. Like, he's in charge of the show. Yeah. Roman Reigns is. Paul Heyman takes orders from Roman Reigns. And in this moment, it was kind of cool, but you can see the feed has cut to Paul Heyman on the Jumbotron, and 
He's yelling at production members. He's saying, put me on the screen. Get me up there. I need to address Kevin Owens. I don't care what's going on. This is unacceptable. And so it was like a nice little break in uh, in the story where we saw like, okay, Roman Reigns was not prepared for Kevin Owens to go out there. Yeah. Paul Heyman was not prepared to have anything to say. And they they did a nice job adding that layer to the presentation that I wasn't expecting. Right. It, it was really, really cool to see that. And then in, in addition to that, while, yeah, Paul may have seemed a little caught off guard, a little, like, quick to have, like, I, I got to come up with something. Right. His vocabulary mm-hmm. is able to elevate every single storyline that he's a part of. Yep. And it's crazy because he doesn't make you feel like he's using extra fancy vocabulary right like he makes it feel like it's a normal everyday occurrence i mean he used martyr he i can't even pronounce the other one he used mm-hmm. masochist yeah. so he, he 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 compares kevin owens to a sadist a masochist uh he he says in fact kevin owens is not a masochist he's a martyr in this yeah. case um and and he just tells the story that really Kevin Owens is the hungriest number one contender that we've had on SmackDown, on Raw, really for quite some time. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, again, good job of storytelling. But, I I mean, it is Paul Heyman. Of course. I I don't expect anything less from Paul Heyman. (laughs) I'm a huge Paul Heyman stan. Absolutely. I love everything that he does. He was great with Brock Lesnar. Before that, great with CM Punk. Before that, great with Brock Lesnar. Like, he has run the gamut on this entire situation with WWE. And here he is again with a pairing you would never have expected. But yet, it works. Absolutely. Perfectly. Absolutely. He's certainly one of the best uh, assets this company has to offer talent. And and when you see somebody who is super, super talented and the, and the company wants to push them, but the fans aren't biting in the mm-hmm. way that they want them to yeah. they gotta find a way to make that work and a lot of times paul Heyman is the way to make that work yeah and, and you know what this pairing reminds me a lot more of Heyman with punk than it reminds me of Heyman with with brock brock and that's simply because you weren't worried when cm punk took the microphone no he was great and yeah. he spoke his mind and Last night when we were watching, we kind of had a brief conversation about letting superstars be more real, be more realistic and uh, true to their personality. And sometimes that's the part of the lock that you don't have a key for. Mm -hmm. But when you are able to give that to a superstar and go out and say, hey, this is your two minutes to shine. Go out there and be yourself. You get a whole nother level of intensity, of reality, of who this person is, and not just some character they're portraying. Even though Roman is portraying this character, he's a great, he's a great person. He's playing this heel really, really well. Absolutely. And Paul Heyman has encouraged Roman to go out there and be himself without just dominating the mic time. Exactly. In, in, in this scenario, just like the one with Punk, Paul is more of a... a it's, it's a boost. It's an accessory. Mm-hmm. He's an it's, auxiliary. It's, yeah. yeah. Whereas with Brock, you know, he has to be like the titular... I can't say that word either. The, like the title guy. Yeah. You're there to see Brock, but you're there to listen to, to Paul. Paul. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this segment winds up, um, with Kevin Owens going to find Roman Reigns. So we get the interruption from Paul Heyman and KO eventually says, you know what? To heck with it. I am a hungry number one contender. I'm so hungry. I need to go back to catering and find Roman Reigns. Which so, you know is always the best move in yes, this, in this yes. scenario. Um, so that's how we end the segment and we come back for our next segment, which is Adam Pierce, our not so authority authority figure. Yeah. Um, we don't actually know how much power Adam Pierce has. 
We don't know if he's a general manager, if he's just a consultant, if he's somebody in the hierarchy of the company. As far as storyline goes, Adam Pierce is just always on our screen. Yeah. Um, and so he is eventually backstage meeting with Kevin Owens as Kevin Owens is hell-bent on finding Roman Reigns. Yeah. And Adam Pierce says, think about TLC. Like, just Do, wait till d- Sunday. Don't, don't mess up our main event. Like, yeah. please. We, we, we need you healthy. We need Roman to be healthy. We need everything to work yeah. to keep this match. Meanwhile, Roman Reigns is not going to sit back. He's not going to wait for KO. This is his show. This is SmackDown. Exactly. So Roman and Paul Heyman go out to the ring. So we have this odd, like, Boeing, Boeing situation. Yeah, passing ships in the night. Where, exactly, exactly. Um, so KO can't find Roman because Roman is out in the ring now. And uh, and we we kind of get a cross promotion yeah. here we had the one to open the show with kevin owens and now the confusion and roman is out in the ring yeah and when when roman was out in the ring i found it very very interesting that you know like after he had gone through everything he went through with jay you know the whole acknowledge me say i'm the head of your table like i i followed all of that that makes a lot of sense given mm-hmm. you know they're their family it's the samoan way things like that I found it interesting that he asked the same thing of Kevin Owens. He said, all will be forgiven if you just acknowledge me. And if you don't, I will destroy you. Right. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think it's kind of interesting because the Roman dynamic is, you know, this is the way of his life. This is his family. This is the story they're telling, right? And so he's used to needing to climb that ladder and then commanding respect of those that are around you, you know? And I think that's just extended to the WWE. Yeah. Why in the world would he stop? This is, you know, we'll get into this later, but this is the way. (laughs) Yeah. This is the way. And so for anybody that thinks they're going to take the top spot, the, the, the seat at the head of the table, they are going to have to, acknowledge Roman. Absolutely. Otherwise, he will promptly make sure that you are not able to sit at the table. Exactly. And and the the table as you, you know, just said, I'm going to kind of parrot you a little bit, but the, the table has expanded. It's no longer mm-hmm. just his family table. Right. It's it's the company. Yes. Like if you're going to be in WWE, mm-hmm. if you're going to get opportunities in this yep. company, you have to acknowledge who is already at the top. You have to acknowledge right. who is the tribal chief, who is the head of the table, yep. and understand that that is the mean. That means they are the head of your table. That's right. That's which is right. what Roman's calling for. So it'll be very interesting to see how that all unfolds on Sunday. Yeah. No. Exactly. You you have matriarchs, you have patriarchs, and you have WWE champions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so somebody's sitting at the head of the table. Exactly. Here. Yeah. Um. So overall, I. I thought it was okay. I thought it was an all right segment. One and two, they, they were good, and I love the talent that was involved, and I think that saves some of how I feel about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, e- eventually, like you said, he asks Kevin Owens to acknowledge him, and if he doesn't, he, levy- he levies a threat. He yeah. says, if you do not, you won't make it to TLC. I, I I really, really liked this because Kevin Owens is the person that that is getting an opportunity, right? So Kevin could lose his opportunity. Roman could lose his championship. You see, you see. Yeah. So somebody had to have stakes in it. Absolutely. And I'm glad that they decided that more than one somebody was allowed to have stakes on this go-home edition of Friday Night Smackdown. Absolutely, and to boost, to boost that, to boost those stakes, and to kind of also just boost Roman and his character, I think they made a really good call by having, once Kevin Owens comes out exactly. and decides, Roman, you're done talking now, I'm going to come and attack you because I know where you are. Right. 
Jay attacks Kevin from behind, acting like the great little attack dog that he has become. That he's become for Roman, right? And it's it's a great way to to boost and protect Roman, as well as his character and the story that he's got going on by having Jay come out and attack. Yeah, and then in addition to that, Ke- uh, Paul's facial expressions. He's the All master. Right, he is the master. I think he probably goes through at least 20 different ones during mm-hmm. Roman's promo, the attack on Kevin Owens, and the aftermath of that. Yeah. It's fascinating to watch. Yeah. I, I Paul Heyman, like I said, an absolute gift to wrestling. And everything he does enhances the story of what we're getting to see. Like, I, I have never experienced a Paul Heyman... Uh, a feud or anything that's involved him where I've been like, you know, if Paul Heyman wasn't involved, I would be more interested. Like he just, just brings yeah, that just doesn't happen. an extra oomph to yeah. the table, to, he, to, to Roman's table. <laughs> yes. Um, and of course it will be a tables, ladders and chairs match um, this Sunday. Yes. So we get the attack and, um, I'm sure there's a slew of commercial breaks somewhere in here. Uh, I, I didn't take note of them. But uh, after that, we get a backstage interaction between Roman Reigns and Jay Uso. So, Amanda, tell us a little bit about the family dynamic between Roman Reigns and Jay Uso. The, the family dynamic, the way that I see it is, is Jay has finally become subservient and submissive mm-hmm. to Roman. He He's trying everything he can to be accepted by his family again. Right. Because Roman has all but cast him out mm-hmm. at this point. And as I mentioned earlier, he's become a great little attack dog yeah. for Roman. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in this interaction... Roman says that KO will never understand what it's like. He he won't understand the family dynamic. He won't understand when to quit. He will never understand the world that Jay, Paul, and Roman are are currently in. Exactly. So Roman literally looks at Jay and says... Take him out. Take him out. Just like giving orders to somebody. Like Mm -hmm. when you have an attack dog and you say attack or you give the command or whatever and they just, they go and do it. And so for the rest of the show, and we'll cover each attack individually, for the rest of the show we get lots of different attacks from Jay on Kevin Owens taking out, carrying out those orders. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so the the Jay Uso storyline I think is actually really well done and i think it's pretty interesting moving forward so beyond even tlc i think i'm hoping that both usos get grouped together and we get a a mega faction here great but um essentially jay in his feud with roman was fighting for his spot at the family table right and uh you know that was either going to be by beating roman yeah. Or it wasn't going to be. And so now you have this character who knows the importance of the family. He he is the cousin yeah. of Roman Reigns. Exactly. So, so this is a real familial tie. And this character knows, right, that being in good favor is very important. Absolutely. But he's been beaten so much... And so viciously that he also now is acting out of pride in this feud with Kevin Owens. He knows that Kevin Owens is an outsider. Yeah. Kevin Owens doesn't belong in Jay's story. Exactly. And if Jay's going to eventually get where he wants to go, Kevin Owens most certainly cannot be a part of that picture. So... Even though, yes, like, it's a little bit of submissiveness to Roman, he is actually not looking weak. No. Because he continues to fight for what he believes in, even though it's been massively warped by the head of the table. Absolutely. I mean... Nothing... Back when the Wyatt family was a thing, Mm -hmm. nothing Bray or Luke or... 
uh, I don't remember the Eric name. Rowan. Eric Rowan. Like, nothing they did ever looked weak. Right. It never looked, but they were always under the control or the guidance mm-hmm. of Bray. Right. And it worked. Everybody was strong. Everybody could do their own thing, but everybody was working to serve the Wyatt family. Right. And that was just a blind belief in the concept of the Wyatt family. This like, one runs it, much deeper. Exactly. It's so much more nuanced and compelling because Jay is being given these opportunities by Roman, but they're not really opportunities, no. right? Like there isn't a choice, but Jay feels like he's choosing it. And that's so strong for a character. Absolutely. Um, so go ahead and introduce our next segment. So we, we finish up with uh, Roman and Jay. Jay is clearly going out to find Kevin Owens to take him out. And uh, we wind up with a very, very interesting series of events that plays out for the tag team division on Raw. Yes. So we have a tag team title match that ends up coming next between the Street Profits, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode. Mm-hmm. And my, my initial question with this was, why are we having a, a title match? Does that, right. does that mean that the SmackDown tag team titles are not going to be defended at, at a TLC? Spoiler alert. They are not on the TLC card. So, like, TLC is tomorrow night. Right. We will be watching and reviewing it for all of you listeners. <laughs> but... It, it did seem odd, and, and I usually do a decent job of paying attention to WWE, Twitter, Instagram, right. things like that. And usually they'll give yeah, like five or six items to pay attention to for the show. Exactly. I did not see this on the show. I, I don't know if they posted it or not. I, I, like I said, I usually do a good job. I think I slipped up this time around, but it felt like it was just... Random, like it was just created, put in a moment, and and, yeah. and and so we got a tag team title match. Exactly, and I mean, like Ziggler and Rude have always kind of been chasing it, so like, it, like it makes sense. Yep. Even though it seemed a little thrown together, right, and just kind of odd, but it it, it who they chose makes a lot of sense because yeah. that that fits the character for Ziggler and Rude. Um. At the like beginning of this match, when everybody's still getting introduced and making their way to the ring, we got uh, a quick little cameo from Clark Duke. Yeah, I, I was literally about to say, what felt even more shocking and surprising was a random Clark Duke spot. Like, he broke down the match, he, you know, expressed that he has a friendship with Ziggler... And that he really likes the Street Profits. And then he went and proceeded to predict the outcome of the match. Exactly. But it, it, was, it was kind of weird. They were doing some sort of cross-promotion for his new movie, The Crudes, A New Age. Um, which is coming out, or has come out. I, I didn't understand it. I, I, I don't dislike Clark Duke. I, I actually no. I like him. If, if you're a fan of The Office, you'll know Clark Duke. But, um, or two and a half men. Or two and a half men, another one of my favorites, yeah. But uh, it, it, it just, I don't know, I don't know. The, tell me how you felt, because <laughs> I didn't get it. I liked it. I thought, I thought it was really good. Uh, since WWE is bringing back the Slammies, mm-hmm. and it seems as though they're trying to not legitimize them, really, because you can't really legitimize the Slammies. But, right. But they're they're bringing a bit more attention to it this year. They're being a bit more intentional about it, because it's Wednesday. Right. Wednesday morning, mind you, 10 a.m. Yeah, 10 a.m. And, and, again, explain to the viewers who, or w- what is the purpose of the Slammy Awards. The, the Slammy Awards are to present, they kind of work like the Grammys or the Oscars, but it's specifically for wrestling so they go to superstar of the year they have match of the year they have comeback of the year like it it works like any other award show and the reason they had clark duke on was to get a little bit of outside promotion for it because Mm -hmm. he he talked about 
both of them in mm-hmm. terms of the slammies. Right. Which I thought was really cool. I, I loved the cameo. I thought it was different. It brought an extra little layer. And I thought it was good hype for the slammies. It, mm-hmm. it, it made me a little bit more excited for them. I was like, oh, hey, celebrity that I know right. is going to, is, you know, is at least aware enough about this. Yeah, sure. It, it did feel kind of nice to get this feeling. A lot of times wrestling is this world that feels like really enclosed or only available to wrestling fans. Yeah. So it was a little bit nice to kind of see, no, Fox is at least doing a good job of promoting us. So we'll get Clark exactly. Duke in to say, hey, the rest of the world is aware that the Slammies are taking place and coming back. Exactly. Also, I'm really excited about this tag team match. Yeah. Like, and it... it Plus, it was it was for the titles, so it was it mm. was just a nice little weave of everything. It was weird. It, it was. was odd, yeah. but I I liked it. I, odd because of it being unexpected. Exactly. But but eventually, Clark Duke picks the Street Profits in this match, who yes. are the current reigning champions. Absolutely. And Amanda, run through this match and so, tell the folks what you like. Well, I I'm a big big fan of the Street Profits, and that's largely because of Montez Ford. Mm-hmm. I, I love what he can do on the mic. He's amazing. A, he's a whiz with words. Mm-hmm. But even more than that, I like what he does in the ring. I am a particular fan of, like, my favorite style of wrestling is high flyers. Mm-hmm. Like, I love watching guys bounce and flip and, f- like, soar through the air. Yeah. And Montez is amazing at that. In my notes, I referred to him as a giant wavy arm tube man, you know, like you see (laughs) outside the car dealerships. Like the way that he moves through the air, cuts through the air, and like it's nothing. Like he flips, he twists, he twists, and you know, he he bends, he's like an airbender. It's Mm -hmm. it's incredible to watch him in the ring. So I, I was really excited. He did amazing. Angelo is brute yeah so you know usually your tag team is going to be a compilation of those styles yes. right you're going to have the best of this and the best of that so montez 150 percent athleticism yes. he, he is remarkable he does the high flyers he does flips in the ring he, he's very fun to watch angelo brings that same excitement but he does it with brute strength exactly Man, this guy is a powerful yes. dude I I also love Dolph Ziggler. I have yes. for a very long time. I understand. He's not everybody's cup of tea. Right. But I love him, and I think he's amazingly talented in the ring. Yeah. So, and so is Bobby Roode. You or, know, I... I Robert Roode, pardon I, me. I really am glad you said something about Dolph Ziggler, because I am not a big fan of Dolph Ziggler. Um, maybe more so in how he gets used or what creative storylines right. they put him in. But... One thing that I do love about Dolph Ziggler is he kind of, especially when he had the hair that was real slicked back and and you could see the water fall off of it, right? It reminded me of watching Ric Flair sell moves, right? Exactly. He is so over the top about selling a move. Yes, absolutely. And that's that complements both high flying and brute strength like it was mm-hmm. it was a well constructed match it yeah. was a it was a very very talented match right honestly i wasn't that interested in the match even though i love who's in yeah. it and it was a title match but it like it, it there wasn't really any build it kind of felt there together so like it was it was it was a it was a filler yeah it was, it was a filler match well, and and that's I, I, you you touched on something there that really made me think of what i put down and that's I was shocked, first of all. This match came at 8.25. SmackDown yeah. begins at 8, 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. So we had 25 minutes of not without really wrestling. Action, yeah. There was no wrestling in the first 24 minutes of this program and it's a wrestling program so that irritated me a little and then the other thing i wanted to say was this match would have been a snooze fest if it wasn't for the titles absolutely they it had to be for the titles otherwise i 
would not have cared. Exactly. And my notes on this match would have been even less than what I had with it being a title match. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy... They have developed at least something with the tag team division. Yeah. They at least have, I mean, not super compelling stories, but they have Tours. compelling storytellers yes. at least. Abs- yes. Um, and the Street Profits fall into that category. The one thing that they have done is maintained the Street Profits dominance since them Absolutely. getting called up. They never lost the Raw Tag Team Championship. Right, they just did a trade. They swapped them with the New Day during the draft event. And then they have maintained the SmackDown titles against every single SmackDown tag team. Exactly. So the Street Profits look unstoppable. Absolutely. Which will be a lot of fun when they start to look not so unstoppable. Exactly. And I, I, I wrote good retain. It's a good retain. Yeah. It was it was it was good to have them defended since they're not gonna be on the pay-per-view. Right. But really the most important part of this match is what happened after referee Charles Robinson counts one, two, three. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Tell the people what happened. Okay. Then. So, I am also a longtime fan of Charles Robinson. Who isn't? Charles Robinson has been with the company maybe since before I was born. Like, Charles Robinson is the standard. Absolutely. At referee. Yes, and he knew how to work with Ric Flair. Ric Flair, The Undertaker, I mean, look, any big name, John Cena, if you know any wrestler, probably worked with... Charles Robinson. Exactly. He's excellent. Yes. And he also, you know, you wouldn't think the referee tells much of the story. Charles Robinson can tell a darn good story. Yes. So, um, what happens after the match, it was kind of a hokey finish. We had Robert Roode pulling the tights of Montez Ford. This is a classic move in wrestling. It, it, whether or not it actually gives you additional leverage, I don't know. But in the world of wrestling, that's the story. Yeah. You pull the tights, it's kind of cheating. It's an unwritten rule that you shouldn't do it. The referee's probably not going to disqualify you for it, but might not give you the three count. Which is why it's primarily used by heels. Exactly. So Robert Roode pulls the tights, gains the additional leverage, but Montez Ford, being the athlete that he is, rolls through... And kind of does the same pin combination to uh, Robert Roode and pulls the tights. So Robert Roode is very upset. Furious. Charles Robinson did not see any of this. He was not in position to see as he was making the count. Yeah. And Dolph Ziggler was. Dolph Ziggler saw the whole thing and kind of goes off. So to speak, on referee Charles Robinson. Absolutely. Which is why I made the Ric Flair comment earlier. Like, surely Charles Robinson had some of those dealings with the dirtiest player in the game. And I'm just saying, I have to greatly uh, question Dolph Ziggler's decision making. Because this is a guy that has been in the company for how many years? He can handle Adolf Ziggler. He threatened threatened suspension (laughs) on them. And that's the fun part of this match is they got so mad at Charles Robinson that Charles Robinson bit back a little bit. Yeah. And he says to both of them, you keep it up and you'll both be suspended. So that'll be an interesting storyline to track and to follow as we get more content in the coming weeks. Like for the next... Five or six Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode matches. Yeah. I want the referee to be Charles Robinson. Oh, and, and you then, know it will be. Yes. And then I want there to be one week where it's not. So they go out there. They're happy. Things are going their way. And then, bam, referee gets injured. Yep. Have to bring out a substitute referee. And yep. out comes Charles Robinson. Like, they could do so many things with this. Oh, yeah. I, I'm very excited. That... It was an odd match, but all things considered, we got that spot. Right. So I'm kind of happy exactly. about it. Exactly. And, and from that spot, we probably had some commercials. I don't really know either. But 
from that spot, we go to backstage where Kevin Owens, I think, is is talking to... Uh, I forget who's... He might be talking to Adam Pierce again at this point. Mm. And, and, you know, here comes Jay. Uh on Roman's orders. He finally found Kevin. Correct. So he does what he's supposed to do and takes him out. Attacking him with a chair. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, I I mean, this is obviously just a simple moment. I think at the time, the match between Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns at TLC was not scheduled no, to think, be a tables, ladders, and chairs yeah, I think match. It was a standard championship Just match. a regular match for the title. And so Jay is introducing the chair to the feud. Yes. He's bringing it, as Samoa Joe would say, he has added an implement. <laughs> so, yes. uh, so it was a, it was a minor. It was a quick part spot. of the show. Yeah, it's I mean, a quick spot, but it's, it's maybe an a minute or thread, two. Yeah, but, but it's an ongoing threat. Exactly, it furthered the story. And so, from that confrontation, yeah, we pan over to an interview. Yes, a very good one, I might add. I'll let you take that one. Then. Uh, so we have now. This is the weird thing. I I don't know where they interview because this is not the ring that you're used to seeing on programming it's a side ring so i'm thinking maybe this is like off stage ring that they've built maybe a training ring something at the performance center uh um you know recorded before the show it might not even be a full ring though it might not be it it could be just excellent stage. stage design yeah so so props to whomever comes up with that because yes. I, I, I like their interviews there. It was Kayla Braxton interviewing Bianca Belair. And let me tell you why I'm excited. It's because I'm excited about SmackDown's women's division. They're doing great things right? with it. I, I, I know a lot of times the critics call SmackDown Blue Raw. I disagree. Oh, no. Not, I feel not very differently. to this. Raw could learn a lot of things by watching the way SmackDown gets booked right especially their women's division because we have not only a mid-card feud which is bianca and bailey Bailey, but we have a women's title feud with sasha banks and And carmella that we'll discuss later but needless to say raw i give thumbs down smackdown thumbs up absolutely so uh the the interview is just Bianca essentially responding to the question of Bailey believes that she is the role model. Yeah. And gosh darn it, she had over a a full year as SmackDown Women's Champion. Yeah. So I would say there, there's it, a good chance. You could speak to it more, yeah. but I, I I would guess that little girls across the world that are watching Bailey's reign as champion might consider her to be uh, yeah, a absolutely. role model. It makes sense to me. Of course, Bailey is a heel, so. But you know, little little girls can aspire to be heels too. Well, I mean, hey, why be the best? Exactly. If Some the, people if aren't the heel like you, if the heel has the belt, people are watching the belt. Yes, it's just the way it goes. Um. But Bianca says, no, it takes more than that to be a role model. Yeah. You have to be a nice person. You have to be good. You have to do good deeds. You have to be an upstanding person and, uh, you know, fight for what's right. Exactly. Uh, Gosh, that reminds me of Hulk Hogan. Fight (laughs) for what's right. Fight for your lives. But anyways, we get uh, Bianca saying, no, she's the measuring stick. But she's not a role model. Yeah, she makes sure she makes a point to give Bailey her props, right. which I think is good because a lot of times in these promos, people just sit there and tear each other down, which right. is kind of what Bailey does later. There's respect. But Bianca yeah, is being respectful, absolutely, even to somebody that she may not like or agree with. Exactly. That sounds like a role model to me, <laughs> at least by Bianca standards. Right. Um. So it it was a nice promo. It was a nice interview segment. Yeah. She did a nice job. Kayla did a nice job. 
And it furthered a mid-card feud. I. It was great. Check, check, check. Yes. I enjoy it. I'm, I'm happy. Absolutely. So, so after Kayla gets done interviewing Bianca, where does WWE take us? So, again, Raw, take notes, please. We get a women's tag team match that has built in its own story. It was very interesting to me. We have Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. They form the Riot Squad, and they are in a match up against Billy Kay and Tamina Snuka. Yes. I am somebody who loves Tamina. Yeah. I have for a long time said that Peyton was always better than Billy. So okay. I'm eh on on Billy. And my my only sure. my only question I sh- I didn't have very high thoughts of this match, honestly. I felt right. like it was a squash. It was. So I I'm going to ask you yeah. my only real note and I hope that you can answer this for okay. me. Okay. Why have this match? Okay. So, there are some answers to this. I think it is about building the tag division. So, unlike uh, most of your championships in WWE, they are only going to be defended on their respective show. The simple way to put this, Raw championships stay on Raw, SmackDown championships stay on SmackDown. But, the one area where this is not the case is the Women's Tag Team Championships. Right. That championship is defended across all of the shows. I think simply because it gives more women the spotlight. Absolutely. They get more more opportunity, which I think is a good thing. I completely agree with that. The reason why we have this match, though, is because right before it, we get a little segment, an odd clipping that you would not think anything of. But Liv Morgan is talking about who she'd like to meet, what, who her idols are. Right. And she, she has some odd selections, or at least seemingly odd, to Ruby. Ruby isn't getting it, but she finds the zest yeah. with which Liv gives her answer to be exciting and cute and funny. Right. I think this is building the relationship between... Ruby, and Liv. Okay. My notes were, teamwork is a strength. Why would they show us that? And then in the match, we see all of these places where the Riot Squad is in sync. Yeah. And Billy and Tamina are not. Right. Now, Billy and Tamina are just two wrestlers put together. Exactly. Not a team that's been established. No. So, obviously, the story of this match, teamwork, a strength for the Riot Squad, and a weakness for Billy and Tamina... What happens? The Riot Squad easily wins. Right. I, I mean, it, college basketball, you get a team that's been around, has some seniors, and has played together for four years. Yeah. Or the team that has, you know, the top recruiting class every year. Yeah. It, it's actually going to be a good match. It's going to be the talent. Right. You know, of, of a Duke or a Kentucky. Yeah. Against, you know, like... Uh, maybe I'm an old avid basketball watcher, but like the old Indiana teams that <laughs> stuck it out through the years. Like, you know, you, you would have four starters that were that had played together before. Right. You don't see that at Duke. You don't see that no. at Kentucky. So, I mean, I mean that's, that's the analogy that I have for it. And uh, I, I think that story is going to go further okay. between Liv and Ruby. All I right. think that's really the focus. All right, I can get behind that for sure. Yeah, so uh, so Riot Squad gets the the quick win, and we head into more content in the women's division. I love that, and it it's being built well. Um, Absolutely, we're not getting a ton of understanding or exposure with Carmella's character. Like, there's still a lot of questions there. Mm-hmm. But they are building her feud with Sasha, building the match with Sasha, I think, very, very well. Yeah. So this, this is Carmella's toast, her, her, her champagne tasting, mm-hmm. um, to figure out which champagne she wants to have when she wins on Sunday. Like, it's, it's, a, it's the perfect heel move. Yes. And she accompanies that. With an amazing heel promo. 
She insults the fans. She builds herself up. She yep. tears down Sasha. She even, like, lays out her game plan mm-hmm. like an actual supervillain. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 the, it's the go-to move. It was the prime psychology of a heel. Yes. Of a bad guy. It was perfect. You know, Marvel is a very successful franchise. Yes. They have made a lot of money and a lot of movies. And people still go and watch. The outcome is never really in question, which I'll get to. But Carmella is our villain. Simple is not stupid. No. They kept it simple with Carmella. Yeah. You you said there's questions. I don't have any. It's pretty straightforward. Carmella, she's prettier than you. Yeah. She's smarter than you. She's more scheming than you. Everything that exists for this character is simple. I'm better than you. Exactly. Boy, is that easy to hate. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we've all met that person in our life that just, for no reason, thinks they're better. Absolutely. And and the the simplicity Mm -hmm. of this and her promo and all of that, it's just her playing the crowd. Absolutely. Something she's always been good at. Yeah, absolutely. So this toast, the, the, the things that I loved about it was... Not only did she know how to play the crowd, like you were saying, but she actually told story. Like, we have more story for this match than we had before. Yes. And in, in the way that she did this is, she said that Sasha's championship reign, the dynamics of Sasha Banks, are very simple. She is obsessed with being the best. Right. And because I'm better than you, she's not the best. So now, we have a champion that has a complex, which is, I I, I love when you give a dynamic to a champion, because the championship can live on its own. Yeah. But, wow, even more compelling stuff. She says that Sasha has the lower ground. Carmella has the leverage, because Sasha wants to prove that she's better. She loses her mind around me, Carmella says. And so now, Sasha is going to have to fight her instincts at the same time that she fights me. Because she's not allowed to be DQ'd. She can't lose. She can't. Exactly. She has to wrestle this match. And Carmella's made it personal, which makes it hard for Sasha to stay composed. Exactly. And she goes... Over all of that, like I said, when she when she's laying out her game plan, she's like, this is what I have done. Mm-hmm. This is how I have unwound Sasha. Yep. I have taken her down already. So, no, it's not too early to celebrate. Exactly. This is not premature. She goes on to call Sasha Banks desperate, which is a classic heel move. This is pot and kettle. Yeah, exactly. The pot is calling the kettle black. In, in terms of desperation, because Carmella is the one desperate to get the title. Exactly, which is why we see the fun interruption by, by Sasha. We get the music, the classic music distraction. Yep. Carmella sends out her sommelier. Yep. To, and he, he looks bewildered yep. when he gets to the ramp and realizes there's nobody there. Yep. So Carmella quick turns around and there's Sasha tasting the champagne, throws it in Carmella's face, and the attack ensues. Exactly. So, um, Sasha interrupts with the attack, and, uh, she gets the upper hand for a little while. Eventually, as always, the numbers game catches up to you. Two-on-one is never gonna end well. No. Um, she winds up slapping the sommelier after he pulls her off, saving Carmella from the bank statement, her finishing move. And, um, while Sasha is... Um, going off on the sommelier. Going off on the sommelier. Carmella grabs the champagne bottle. Breaks another bottle over Sasha's back. And we get another attack 
you know, that, that ends with shattered glass. I, great thing wrestling can always do. Shatter some glass. It gets fans excited. Exactly. They're great at it. So from, from this attack, yeah. we go to another one in the trainer's room. Yes. And this is yet another attack by Jay on Kevin Owens. Yeah. And in case anybody was wondering, what else is in a TLC match? We already have the chairs. Yeah. What's next? Of course, it's the table. It's the table, so. So Kevin goes through the tables in the trainer room, and it's, again, another quick spot, and it's just... Is KO out of commission? Is he going to fight? Right. Who really knows? They're building this constant question all the way up until the main event. <laughs> it, it was a short segment. But this is the first time I, I've been pretty positive throughout the podcast so far. This was the first time that I have a negative. I have now watched the same segment three or four times. Right. It was, it was a little bit of overkill. I just felt like, all right, Jay is attacking him again. I, I, I get it from the story's standpoint as we've gone over, but I don't think this changed my mind. It didn't add something. It didn't... It, it, it just didn't. Yeah, I, I felt underwhelmed because I already understood that, and in an hour of the program... We were getting exactly. the same thing over and exactly. over again. Well, well, speaking of being underwhelmed, um, that takes yeah. us directly into our next segment, Yeah, which was a match yep. between Otis, yep. who was being coached by, by Gable, yep. um, versus Shinsuke, who has Cesaro in his corner. So, b- by all means, I need you to answer this question for me uh, again. Why? I'm, I'm going to rant for a sec. Go right. Take it. I'm going to rant for a Do second. Be, be, because this one makes me mad. Otis was the money in the briefcase winner. He no longer has it. Correct. Shinsuke Nakamura was on top of the world about two years ago. Maybe yep. three years ago. Chad Gable, they just have given up on. Yes. And Cesaro is one of the most talented physical talents that WWE has ever signed. They very rarely have somebody that can compete in the ring at the level that he does and in tune with the fans. Great personality. This is one of the most upsetting segments because you look and you see four people that are over with the fans. They are, they can ride the highs. And they are put in a meaningless segment. It was garbage. It was terrible. And until they do something that even remotely looks like storyline, storytelling, something good that isn't just a gag comedy routine, I have nothing to say. I I absolutely agree. I mean, there was a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of hope for something when Gable, we get to see him coach Otis. Otis goes for the Caterpillar and Gable says, no, 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 suplex him. It's not the time for the Caterpillar. Mm-hmm. So we get the, the quick pin, the quick roll up by Shinsuke, which Otis is able to power out of. He throws him into a, a suplex resembling much of the Bexploder and... And Otis wins. It was a glimmer of hope. And then backstage, between Otis and Gable, they, they, they ruined it. So I don't, I don't know what they're doing with this, where they're going with this. And you, I, I completely agree with you that until they do something worthy of these four superstars. And that's what they are. They are superstars. Yep. It's it's not it's not even worth talking about anymore. So we're just we're gonna speed right on through to something that was arguably my favorite part of the night. Yeah, these Sammy awards. The Sammy awards. Yeah, they were really really good. They were. Sammy looked great. I loved his suit, and we we got a quick little, not segment, but a quick little spot backstage where Sammy's preparing, and you know he's he's got the he's got to go get the polish for the awards. 
And so Big E shows up, and when Big E comes, usually there's a little bit of mischief that follows. So this, this mischief is seen after Sammy presents the first two awards. He gives the... First we get the, the Sammy's year in review. It, it's a great plug or parody for the Slammies, which are coming up on Wednesday. It's another unique promotion for their yes. award show, which I thought was, again, really, really cool. Um, so we get Sammy's year in review. And then we present the um, comeback uh, superstar of the year. Surprise, surprise, Sammy wins. And then match of the year. Again, surprise, surprise, Sammy wins. But, Sean, go ahead and tell us what happened when he went to go present superstar of the year. Yeah, so you talked about Big E and his antics. He, backstage, had tampered with some envelopes. And we got a real Steve Harvey type situation when Sammy opens the envelope. And instead of presenting the third award to himself, like he had done with the previous two, Big E's name comes out of the envelope. And so here we have Sami Zayn is losing his mind because how do you lose your own award? Exactly. And Big E comes out, and he is looking dapper, and he is smiling from ear to ear. Yes. Honored to have received Superstar of the Year. Yes, and every he goes up to the podium to make his speech, and every single time Sammy like comes to try and interrupt him and be Mm -hmm. like, "Oh, this is a mistake. You didn't actually win." He just pushes him away like he's a fly. Yeah. Until finally, Sammy's able to kind of you know push him out of the way, thus beginning. The, the the feud mm-hmm. between Sammy and E. So I think it, I th- I am very excited. I think it gives a lot of hope and new life for the Intercontinental Championship. I agree. It's felt like a really stale championship for a little bit. Sammy has brought in that new life that it needed. Yeah. And the thing that I like about this pairing is they both scream high energy and i do mean scream like they they are both great and there's something to be said for a couple of people that just kind of bring the volume they bring the excitement like i can watch something and be at a different level if who i'm watching is at a different level exactly that excites me um you know so i think this Potential Intercontinental title feud could be really good. We're not going to see it this time at TLC. No. It, it, it would be too rushed. So give it the time. Let it marinate. Let it marinate. Exactly. It's, it's dropping those little seeds. Exactly. So, so after the Sammy Awards and the, the altercation between him and E... We go back to Kayla in the fun little ring they have constructed. Yep. And we get another interview. We do. Yeah, we get virtually the same segment that we had before. But I'm not mad about it this time. Right. Because it was in preview for this match that they were going to have immediately following. Exactly. And so it was nice to hear from Bianca what she had to say. And then... Now we're going to hear from Bailey exactly about what she thinks. Yeah, and I thought this was a great promo. Bailey does excellent at being a heel. You know, she puts down mm-hmm. Bianca a bit. You know, it, it it she says like essentially you can learn a lot from me. Like oh. it, like you, you pick my brain. I love that was my favorite line probably of the entire night was don't pick fights with me, pick my brain. That's what you should be doing. You have so much to learn. You, you're an up-and-coming talent. But that doesn't mean you should be fighting me. Exactly. That means you should be learning exactly. from me. It was, it's, they've done great with Bailey's character. And they, they have found actual aspects of being a role model and applied them to the heel, mm-hmm. which is exciting to watch. Yeah, I, I love it when you take that like traditional trope and you... Turn it on its head a little bit. Yeah. And so it's still the same trope, 
but it kind of looks a little different. Exactly. Exactly. So this this interview leads us directly into the match. Right. Um, which was a fantastic match. There was a lot of give and take. There was a lot of back and forth, both with moves in the ring and taunts. Oh. They taunted each other the entire match. Smackdown heels, Smackdown villains, Smackdown bad guys. They know what they're doing. Yes. I love watching it for that reason. I'm more of a fan of the villain than I am you know, the stale hero that comes and saves the day every time. SmackDown is where it's at. You want to watch good dastardly deeds? Tune into Fox at 8 o'clock on Friday. Yes. It It was It was amazing. But, uh, I I don't have enough words to describe yeah. this match. It, it was it was that good. I will say there were a couple of little awkward spots at the end. Like it didn't look like things went exactly right. Yeah. But both girl, both women being as talented as they are, it it still looked really good. And Bailey was able to pull off, you know, the whole raking on the eyes. Yeah. Which thank you, Michael Cole, for pointing out because right. I I missed it. Yeah, I missed it too. It went so fast that you almost couldn't tell exactly. what had happened. You didn't know if it was an actual strike or if it was a dirty trick. Right. By, by this veteran. Exactly. I, I'll tell you what. When you have good storytelling within a match, it's so when you have words, it can be easier to tell the story. Of course. When you don't have a microphone and you have to tell the story just between what's going on in the ring. Yeah. That's hard to do. And so I'll forgive a couple of botches. Yeah, there was it was a, it was a sloppy situation. They were going for the finish of the match, and Bianca kind of c- couldn't hoist Bailey yeah. enough or at, at the right angle. She was trying to do a pin pickup power bomb combo. Yeah, so she was the, the timing kind of, just kind of it just didn't, didn't add work. up. Yeah. yeah, it didn't add up. But I forgave it absolutely because they recovered well and. They told a great story they during really the did. taunting back and forth, the the little weaselly actions of the heel Bailey, yes. her sliding out of the ring and and giving the taunt back. This match was fun, and that's what wrestling really should be. It Absolutely. should be a fun thing to watch. Absolutely. So that leads us into our main event, which. Features Roman Reigns' final address to Kevin Owens. Yes, I I really enjoyed the the energy Roman brought. It was he was able to to do this promo with an an angry confusion, like he was angrily interrogating Paul. Yeah. About Kevin Owens, he's like, why doesn't this guy stop? Like, why doesn't this guy get it? Like, does he understand that he's gonna die on Sunday? Yeah, and I, I he's he said. Fighting me is an opportunity. Kevin has an opportunity. Why would you ruin that? Don't ruin it. I elevate you. Exactly. You have a chance to spend the rest of your career in the same conversation as Roman Reigns. This is Don Corleone standing in the middle of the ring saying, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. Don't mess with the Don. It's it's a dangerous game. But because Kevin Owens is stone cold, he yep. has to play that game. Yep. Um So in true Kevin Owens stone cold fight against authority fashion, Kevin interrupts. Comes barreling down to the ring as fast as he can. So, Jay's in the ring with Roman. Mm. Roman, all he has to do is look at Jay, and Jay goes. Yep. And attacks Kevin with another chair. Yep. The numbers game catches up to Kevin Owens. And Jay puts KO through another table. Yes. The, the first table was not a, a great bump. It, Correct. But, but the second one that Roman put him through fantastic they Mm -hmm. put him through a couple other tables and then they just start 
piling on these chairs, these yeah. broken tables. Jay brings some ta- like some ladders into the ring. E- eventually, Kevin Owens is is buried in a grave, covered by the TLC. dirt of TLC. Absolutely, it, it was really good. And uh, eventually, Kevin Owens climbs out. So after Roman and Paul and Jay have all left the scene of the crime, yeah. Kevin Owens just kind of lurches out and crawls out of it and very impressively opens a chair with one hand. Opens a chair, sits down on it, takes the microphone and says, I can't stay down. I won't stay down. I will win this title or I will die trying. Boom. And that's what that that's how we finish. That that is how you end a show. Man, I'll tell you what, that had me on the edge of my chair. Exactly. I was ready to jump over the table. Yep, and gosh, we're climbing the ladder to success when we're looking at SmackDown. Absolutely. <laughs> this was a really good show. I think let, let go ahead and give it a rating out of 10. What Ooh. kind of rating would you give this show? Out of 10, I would probably give it a solid 8, 8.5. An eight? Yeah, I, that's around what I was thinking. I was going to give it a 7.5 because I think there were some repetitive things. Yeah. But honestly, this show gave me something different for each story. Exactly. And something new that hadn't been established in a week previous. Right. That's follow the model. This is what every other television program does. You can't give them the same episode every week. No. You gotta give me something new or I'm gonna get tired of the characters. I don't get tired of SmackDown's characters. I thought this was a really good show. I, I completely agree. And and with riding the high of reliving this show, I think it's time to introduce our listeners to our new, our new little segment. Oh. Not so fast. Oh. So, we will be introducing a new segment that Amanda and I are very excited about. It is going to be called Quick Picks, and we will do it for all of the major shows. So make sure you are back with us. RSS.com backslash podcast backslash Shamanda or listening on Spotify, The Chamber Pod with Shamanda. Because tomorrow, right before TLC starts, we will post this new segment. And here is the little bit of spoiler that I can give you. The loser will be punished. So Amanda, go ahead and wrap us up. Well, thank you for listening to us again. This is really fun. We, we love talking about these shows with you guys. Um, as you listen and subscribe, we'd love to see those, those numbers go up. And pretty soon, we're going to come up with a way you guys can reach out to us and let us know if there's anything you want to hear us talk about. Absolutely. So make sure you copy that RSS feed on our site, rss.com slash podcast slash Shamanda. Copy that into wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go for your podcast. Make sure you paste our link. We are excited, and we will see you on Sunday. We'll see you tomorrow, 7 o'clock. For TLC, we'll be on just a little bit before for Quick Picks. Everybody, have a great night. Bye.